0: you'll be with us so if you don't have a church home plan come join us and uh, be blessed with what God's doing and what he's going to do if Pastor Kevin's conference tops this he, he says it's a springboard for the next conference hallelujah of people, in spite of schedules, in spite of whatever the enemy wants to send our way, it's going to be good. And we're expecting good things tonight. We're expecting a refreshing
1: The labor of love, he said. It's hard sitting up there. Do you got? Did you guys enjoy his music last night? Yeah, that precious. It just yeah. Come on, Zach. Thank you. I just brag on Zach all the time to everybody. Every time we have a faculty meeting, just about I talk about. I have such wonderful TAs. Oh my! Do you get tired of hearing that, Zach? <laughs> Oh, my goodness, they're such, such, such a blessing. I love him so much. You guys did a great job raising your kids. You've got wonderful, wonderful children. Hallelujah. For this reason, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Do you believe that? He loves you and he hates you. Um, you know, let's let's start with some declarations tonight. You know why I do that? We're gonna center ourselves in what Jesus did for us. We're not bragging on ourselves, we're bragging on Jesus and putting ourselves in remembrance of these things. I say these things over and over to myself. I do, and it, it builds me up. I'm doing. I don't know. Do you guys do this here? Make declarations sometimes. Especially what? Amen. The Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, those things are wonderful. I died with Christ. I want you to say these things like you mean it, okay? Like they're true. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ raised with Christ I am seated with Christ I rule and reign with Christ the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me I'm a new creation in Christ the kingdom of God is within me I am a temple of the Holy Spirit as Jesus is, so am I in this world. I am qualified. I come behind in no good gift. And I'm loved more than I can imagine. Do you believe that? That's wonderful,
2: isn't it? I can think
1: about all of those. This is a few. I mean, we can go on hallelujah well tonight um, we're going to talk about who is inside of us and then activating what we have inside okay activation and then we're going to do some impartation and we're going to be praying for everybody would you guys all like to be prayed for okay all right we're going to do that at the end of the service so get yourself ready I want to address um, a statement that I made last night that someone asked me about after, uh, after the service. Do you remember I said the church has read and developed a Christianity through the eyes of Paul more than through the Gospels? Did that strike you kind of funny? You agreed. That's a good thing. Yeah, you agreed with me. That's great. I want to I wanna unpack that just a little bit uh, for you tonight. Have you ever wondered why we have churches uh, up and down our streets that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Ever wondered that? I mean, like, what Bible are they reading, right? Okay, I'm going to try to unpack that just a little bit for you tonight and give you a perspective of who, who we are as a church and why we do what we do and why we believe what we believe. The, the evangelical, did you know we were all Catholic before the Reformation? Okay, that's a good thing. We, we read the Apostles' Creed one time, and, and I had in their Holy Catholic Church, and they said, What are you doing? We're having Holy. I said, Did you guys not know we were all Catholic before the Reformation, right? That's who we were. The Reformation, we have out of that evangelical Reformed theology, okay? So the Reformers, specifically Martin Luther, who was a. Augustinian monk and, and um, Calvin, John Calvin who studied Augustine they developed out of that Augustinian theology or reformed theology. Now why is that significant? The significance of that is St. Augustine who lived back in the 4th century developed a theology that Jesus performed miracles to prove his divinity. And then, after the church was formed, after the first apostles died, and after the church was established, there was no need for miracles anymore. And so the miracles ceased. That's called cessationism, okay? Why did why did he why did he develop that theology? Experiential. Experiential. In his ministry, in the ministries that were around him, there weren't seeing any miracles at that time. And so in his early works, he developed this teaching, the, probably one of the most, the greatest minds in all of Christian history. And everybody has, has filtered their theology through Augustine one way or the other has been impacted by that great saint. But he developed the theology in the early part of his ministry that all the gifts of the Spirit ceased and for those reasons. So the Reformed, the, Luther and Calvin studied Augustine and they developed Reformed theology from Augustine. This is where they failed, though. In Augustine's latter years, miracles, signs, wonders, and healings broke out in his ministry, in his church, and you can read about them in his book, The City of God. But it was too late because he had written all of that in the earlier part of his years. And whenever the Reformers read they studied the early part of his history but they didn't focus on the latter part so out of the reformation came this theology that you know the Presbyterians the Lutherans the evangelical church has believed has been taught all of these years reformed theology And so whenever our Pentecostal parents didn't want to send their children, their kids away to seminary, which was cemetery, they said, because they come back dead, right? It's because the educated people were teaching in the seminaries and they were all educated in Reformed theology. You see that? But it's been in the 20th century that Pentecostals have come of their own and they have become educated and they have their own seminaries now and we are not cemeteries because we produce living, breathing people who believe in the word of God. So what ended up, how, how, how did I say then, how, how did uh, Paul take precedence over Jesus? Out of that Reformed theology and that understanding, you, you can't read the Gospels and the Acts, and how do you reason with all of these miracles, Right? And so the the, the reformed hermeneutic, in other words, the tools, the way that you interpret Scripture, is you can't take history and form theology. That's what they say. In other words, the Gospels and Acts are historical literature. Descriptive—it's describing what happened, but it's not prescriptive. It's not didactic. It's not teaching. I'm taking you a little deep. Are you following me? But the Apostle Paul wrote theology, so his is considered descriptive. I'm sorry, prescriptive. In other words, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. So what happened is evangelical. Theology elevated Paul above the Gospels. And all of a sudden, Paul is what everybody refers to, and we simply look at Jesus as a historical person. The historical Jesus. And we've relegated him to the pages of antiquity. Yeah, that's an L, Jesus. So if you wonder why these churches, these big churches can read this, read your Bible and come away with we don't do miracles anymore, that gives you a little bit of an understanding. You see, if if you believe that Jesus simply performed miracles to convince people that he was the son of God, then only Jesus could do those miracles, right? And his disciples who then validated him. Now you see this is the reality. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. When Jesus came to earth, he divested himself of his divine prerogatives. He didn't cease being God. He was fully God and fully man. But he he laid aside his divine prerogatives to function as God. And he became a man empowered with the Holy Spirit. Empowered with the Holy Spirit. So that he could be our model for life and ministry. Because if Jesus functioned as God, that leaves us out of the picture. Right? Can you get that? But you see, Jesus in the incarnation, read it in Hebrews, he laid aside. He he emptied himself so that he could become a man just like you and I empowered by holy spirit so when jesus was baptized by john the baptist in the jordan and the spirit of god came upon him that was his holy spirit baptism empowered by the holy spirit and the spirit drove him into the wilderness and that's where he did that face to face combat with the and he came up out of that place full of the Holy Spirit and he made his declaration, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to bind up broken hearters, to set captives free, to preach good news to the poor. And then he went out and he began to do exactly what he was called to to do could I just read you a little bit about what Jesus did okay Mark chapter 1 Jesus was baptized he came up out of the head the voice of heaven spoke the dove came down he went into the wilderness Satan tempted him the angels ministered to him he went from there to Capernaum where he delivered a man possessed by an evil spirit People brought him sick and demon-possessed people, and he healed them all and drove out many demons. He traveled through Galilee preaching and driving out demons. He healed a man with leprosy, and that's just chapter 1. Jesus healed the paralytic. He healed a man with a withered hand. He healed a man with diseases and evil spirits. Another, he, 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 with authority, he cast out a demon. He rebuked a storm. He cast demons out of the Gadarene. He healed a woman who had been sick and had blood disease for 12 years. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He sent his disciples out to preach, drive out demons into heal. He miraculously fed 5,000. He brought the, everybody. They brought the sick people to him and he healed them all. Say all. Jesus cast out demon out of a little girl. He healed a deaf man and a mute man. He healed a blind man. He cast the demon out of another boy. He told the uh, told his disciples, I give you everything. Go and do what I've been doing. He healed the deaf man. He healed the mute man. He tell you that's our job description that's what we're supposed to be doing put the devil on the run he's the one who makes people sick Jesus was the divine invader who came to earth with the kingdom of God he says the first thing he said was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand I've come to bring the rule and reign of God to earth, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when God has his way. Amen? They've probably heard you preach this over and over, right? <laughs> do you see a theme here of what Jesus was we're supposed to do? church was born in the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit came Dispensationalism. I mean, have you heard that word before? Dispensationalism. It's a belief that, again, it comes out it comes out of the Reformed theology that God moved in certain ways in dispensations. In other words, He did what He did in the New Testament. Then, throughout church history, you know, He didn't do it anymore. We're in a we're in the age of the of the church where God doesn't do those things anymore. We're, That's tied in with cessationism. I love what Morton Kelsey, who wrote the book, Healing Healing in Christianity, he's a professor of Notre Dame University, and I want to quote. He said, I had my first introduction to dispensationalism when I was 10 years old. In a first flush of religious enthusiasm, I read a simplified version of the book of Acts. I was entranced. This was better than my beloved Wizard of Oz. I went to my mother, the daughter and granddaughter of Reformed ministers, and I asked why Christians didn't do these things anymore. And I was given the straight dispensational answer God allowed such marvels to get the church started, but once it was well established, he removed his power. To my 10-year-old ears, it sounded as if God had baited a hook in order to get the church started, and then he took the bait away. I put my Bible aside, and I didn't look at it again until I was in seminary 13 years later. I was not interested in a God that acted like that. That's the truth. Beloved, have you gone to any movies and watched some of the movies that are coming out today? All of the supernatural, all of the paranormal, all of the witches and warlocks. I don't watch that stuff. I just, you know, I see some of these trailers. I wouldn't dare go into one of those movies.
2: This world is being
1: exposed to the supernatural. And they're hungry for the supernatural. And if we don't give them the supernatural power of God, they will find it in the supernatural power from hell. We've got to stop with who we are and who is inside of us and what we've got inside of us and activate that and take it out to a world who's looking for what we have. Bible evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and those students studied it and we came back they went into an upper prayer room and they had determined that tongues was the initial evidence or the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit so they went into the upper room of that castle like building house that they were in Out to God, and God baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in other tongues. And then a a man named Charles Seymour, who was one of his students when he put a school in Texas, went to Azusa, and the Azusa Street Revival broke out. You guys are aware of that. I'm giving you a real brief understanding of this. So a theology was developed in Pentecostalism that tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of. to raise your hands,
2: aren't
1: you? <laughs> what she you going to say next? See, I, I believe that. I was raised that. All my life, I was raised that. How many of you understand that our theology shifts as God gives new revelation? So the first part of the 20th century, that was really... That was, Pentecostals all believed that. They also believed you had to be sanctified to be able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? The Wesleyan Pentecostals, they would, I mean, the Wesleyans would tarry, tarry, tarry until they got their experience of sanctification. And then once they were sanctified, then God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. And so they would have a testimony I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Have you heard that before? I grew up with that. I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, the problem happened in mid century that the Catholics, sanctified Catholics who smoked, drank wine, and cussed. Glory to God.
2: They
1: started getting Shifted. Whenever you are saved, whenever you are born again, when you go through that cross, old things have passed away, All things have become new, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus and you're growing up into who you already are and the Holy Spirit comes into you because you are born of the Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit. would say I want the gift I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. He would say, are you saved? Does Holy Spirit live in you? Then let's just activate those gifts. Let's just activate those gifts. See you need all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge. And what, what was going on there they were begging God to give them something they already had and it's, it's really hard that's kind of a tough position begging God to give you something when God has already given it to you to shift your religious paradigm and sh- shift that religious understanding that you've been given all of your life to believe that I actually already have that inside of me And I just need to receive it, or in other words, activate it and let it flow. Does that make sense to you? Cool. Gifts that are in you. Amen? And I think people have a much easier time getting their prayer language if they realize prayer language is already in there. Just go by yourself in your room, close the door, nobody can hear you. tells us that the spirit God took some of the spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70, right? Some of the spirit that was on Moses and, and put it on the 70. And then we also know in Numbers 27 that God took some of the spirit that was on Moses and put it on Joshua. He said, lay your hands on Joshua and let that same spirit that's in you be in him there is an impartation and then in deuteronomy joshua says was filled with wisdom because moses laid his hands on him that goes all the way into the new testament ananias who was a nobody who knows who ananias was you never hear any more about him But God spoke to that little guy who was probably praying and said, I want you to go down the straight street. There's a guy down there by the name of Saul. I want you to lay hands on him so that he can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That was Saul's conversion experience. And then Paul told Timothy, Don't neglect the gift that's in you by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And Paul also said to the Roman church, I long to see you that I may impart. gift to you. So there is that ability to stir up the gifts of God. We can pray for one another and stir up those gifts. You don't have to be some great super apostle to make that happen. And these little prayer meetings are amazing. Time to stir up one another. Stir up the gifts of God that's within us. And there is a transference of the anointing also. You go someplace I, I don't I'm part of the global awakening. And we go to these
2: conferences, and people
1: lay hands on me, and I go back to the church, and I see the same things happening as I was there in that conference. I go from glory to glory, levels and levels. So it's, you know, that there is something that happens when we gather together and we pray together and we pray for one another something powerful about that I think I shared with you last night how the, the, the Toronto outpouring and Eleanor Mumford who flew over across from England she went there, she was powerfully touched, she went back over to, uh, to the Vineyard Church in, in the UK Nikki Gumbel, do you know him from Alpha? He, he was there when she shared about her experience prayed Nikki Gumbo went down in the spirit when he got up he said i'm running late i've got to go to the staff meeting over at the holy trinity anglican church he goes into the, the into the anglican church into their staff meeting and he says, I just want to tell you what happened. I want to pray for everybody. He prayed for everybody, and everybody went out in the spirit, and they're laughing for the next several hours. Even people who walked by the door fell out in the spirit. And then I told you how Steve Hill, who was a Assemblies of God missionary in Argentina, burned out. He heard about what was going on in Holy Trinity Brompton. He went to that church, had the vicar Sandy Miller pray for him. He said, I didn't come to do anything, just lay your hand on me. He prayed. Steve Hill said, I felt like a feather. I just went out in the spirit. And S- Sandy Miller got down and whispered in his ear and said, You don't have to. something that we put on on Sunday morning. He wants us to die to everything else and live for Him like a soldier in the army. He wants everything. When He asks us to do something, it's not a matter got sports I've got my kids soccer I've got this and I've got that and I'm tired or whatever he's the captain we're the army we're supposed to do what he tells us to do we've gotten Christianity all out. alive to this God who loves us beyond anything we can ever ask or imagine he will start giving us divine revelation and the impartation to be able to carry exactly what Jesus carried to the world that is crying out for what we have start. It's a good start. If I could get 72,000 saved, I'd be right there with you. Hallelujah. Beloved, I believe that we are a new season in the body of Christ, where God is calling His church to come up higher. There is more. And there is coming a shaking and awakening to the church. And we're going to have to decide there's a fork in the road. Which way are we going to turn? Are we going to give absolutely everything to God or are we going to go off on this tangent? You shouldn't preach about those things because those are political. Beloved, they are not political. They are biblical issues and pastors have got to stand up and you and I have got to stand up in our workplace and we've got to be the voice of sanity in this world. Don't be intimidated by the enemy when people say, you're not supposed to. Don't get political with me. So Commissioned you and empowered you and given you the authority and the gifts to go do. Amen. In the book of Acts, the church, the early church, they prayed, God, give me boldness. Give us boldness. That's what we're going to pray for you boldness for a stirring up of the gifts of God that are within you and that God will give you wisdom knowledge and understanding of how to go do what Jesus is calling you to do for some of you it may look like one thing for another it may be working in a, in a, in, in a nursing home
0: Done such a work in hearts and lives. He set people free. He's healed. He's delivered. That's the kind of God we serve. We just praise you, God, tonight for what you've done. you're going Give us a heart that hungers after you. Us to the miracles, God. May we walk in that as a body. May we know you, God, in your fullness as much as possible. To overflowing, that it wouldn't stop with us, Lord, but it would get on other people. Our desire, God, is to pour out Your Spirit, and Your Word says You pour it, going to pour it out on all flesh. Our sons and our daughters will prophesy; the old men will see visions. and tonight we're calling that and so it's already happening and lord we know it is for some individuals but god we're calling that in for the body because as we move as a body we know that there's power there's strength Individual. good read it be educational In and you don't you don't know what your part meant for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You're dismissed, but we hope that you come in the morning and hear our sister, and I know she will bless you and thank you so much for.